man of God. We are blessed to have Reverend Victor Jackson with us here tonight. We, you do not understand how blessed we are that he could squeeze us in here this evening. He has become a voice to our generation. He is much sought after, uh, of after, not just here within Souls Harbor, but let me tell you, the Apostolic Pentecostal Church has called upon Brother Victor Jackson. He's preached at General Conference and Youth Congress and whatever there is going on, the Apostolic Church worldwide is wanting to hear from this man of God. And so we are blessed to have him here with us tonight. And I believe we're going to hear from the Lord this evening. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you going to help the preacher preach? Brother Jackson, come take your liberty in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor. Love you. Oh, can you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? And uh, I tell you what, you, you guys don't play around here, praise the Lord. And uh, wow. I mean, what do you say after all that? Hallelujah. There's such a great expectation here, such a great growth and hunger here. And uh, it's been a while since I've been here. And, uh, you know, coming here in this atmosphere, I just started thinking, you know what? I don't think that's the will of God for me to stay away this long. I just, I just started thinking that. I felt the Lord convict me. He's like, you're out of the will of God for not, for not being here enough. Amen. I was like, we got to do something about that. It's just almost, I was like repenting. I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm, that's just, no, that's, I've gone too long uh, not being here, but I'm so thankful for the opportunity to uh, break the bread of life with you guys and, uh, we're going we're gonna to make this happen more often. Amen. I'm just so thankful for what God has been doing in this wonderful church. And um, I tell you what, I, I mean, I'm going to give you perspective. Last time I was here, last time I was here, there were pews. What? Did I, did I miss God or what? I mean, I'm just, I've just got to be honest around here. Amen. I mean, at least showed up on a Wednesday or something. Amen. Praise God. But thankful the Lord is gracious and merciful <laughs> to me. I was uh, leaning over during the, during the worship, sat down next to Pastor Autry, and I said, I'm kind of like your little brother, aren't I? He's like, huh? <laughs> so I'm like your little brother. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. I'm looking around. These are people with the, with the Dawson uh Brother Autry, these are people that have been kind and gracious to me and uh, that I've got to rub shoulders with and uh, watch their example and just grow and just, I, I'm indebted to men of God like your pastor and uh, his family. And uh, I just give honor to him and his wife, Sister Lacey, and uh, I'm just... I'm just excited. Now, I was preaching somewhere a few months ago, and after I was done preaching, a young lady came up to me and said, uh, she said, Brother Jackson, when you first got in the pulpit, I got really nervous. And I said, well, why is that? She said, because you sounded like a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> and then she said, you started preaching, and I feel better. And so I apologize if I sound like a librarian right now. Amen. I'm just uh, real laid back, and then when the anointing gets on me, I don't know, I just become something different, and then and I just wind down, and I'm a librarian again. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so I'm just excited. What an amazing crowd tonight on a Sunday night. Amen. And uh, uh, appreciate so much uh, the example your pastor and pastor's wife have set. And just uh, such godly couple, little Maylee and Samuel. And uh, just excited what God's doing. Give honor to my beautiful wife, Louisa, and my son, James Asher. Amen. And uh, see, a lot of people that I've grown up with are having babies and stuff now. So that's cool, Sister Sister Dawson, uh, your little man right there just hanging out. And uh, amen, Chelsea and everybody. Krista. <laughs> Krista's back there holding the baby. Hallelujah. Amen. All my all my folks out here. I see you. I see you. I remember you. Come on. Got the babies now. Amen. We're all growing up together. Amen. Just growing the kingdom. Praise God. Okay. All right. Let me get into the word. Uh, Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 28 verse 10. Man, I just feel it's just family in this building. Amen. And... Uh, Wow. I think I sound like a librarian because I'm always nervous when I get up in the pulpit, you know? It's like I need the anointing to help me, so. Just jittery. I just want to blow up, you know? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Genesis chapter 28 and verse angel. Look, angel, man, come on. You're just, Wow. You're amazing, man. You're just amazing. All of you. Brother Osborne. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Uh, verse 16, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. There is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at first. 
So he makes a vow, and then verse 21 says, So I am coming into my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. Last scripture, verse 22. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. I want to talk about when that stone became a pillow, when that pillow became a pillar, and that pillar became God's house. And I want to talk about the process. The process. And uh, I just pray that this will be a blessing to you. Uh, we'll see what happens. Amen. I'm just, just excited. I'm just just excited. Amen. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord? Speak in this house, Holy Ghost. I trust in you. I'm nothing without you. Can you clap those hands some more? I humble myself before you. No confidence in myself, my flesh, my mind. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. yes. The process. If God is ever going to do anything great with an individual or with a church, he will bring that individual and that church through a process. Uh, no one just becomes great immediately. Did you know that? Um, even Jesus had to be nurtured. Y'all going to make me preach in this place. Uh, nobody just immediately functions in their destiny without first going through a process that can literally strip them down to nothing to make them something. Uh, before God can use Moses, Moses in Egypt, he was a man of mighty words and deeds. He spoke really well for the first 40 years of his life. So God had to bring him through a process in a wilderness to strip down that oratory, strip down that great language, strip down the parentheses, the comma, strip down the allegory, strip down the hyperbole, strip down his speech down to a stutter. And when he broke him down to a stutter, God said, now I can use you for my glory. Because I will strip you down to a place where you can't take credit for what I am going to do in your life. I will strip you down to a place of dependency where only I can get the glory. Stripped them down to a stutter. Stripped them down from the... The poetic speech, so it was, I, 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 God said, that's what I was waiting for. Now you're ready. Oh, you're not hearing me this, this evening. <laughs> I got to bring you through a process. As a matter of fact, uh, the bridge from a multitude to a disciple is a process. Uh, multitudes, the very word literally means disorganized crowd. Literally means a riot. A multitude is a disorganized crowd. And to become a disciple, you have to become disciplined. Uh, 
which is a process from living a chaotic life to a life that's regimented by the glory of God. So every time, every time you'll, your life, every time you go out of control, you just, you just let the Lord know he's still working on me. <laughs> I'm not disciplining. Come on, somebody. Some people think they're a disciple until a little hell breaks loose. All of a sudden, they, they revert back to the multitude. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, I thought you, disciple, look, you're in church. Oh, yes. <laughs> then a little hell breaks loose at home. Start cussing. <laughs> We're going to be real here tonight, aren't we? <laughs> just, just cussing. Go back to drinking just like that. Go back to smoking. Go back to, go back to toxic relationships. Go back to what you was before you met Jesus. Come on, somebody. There has to be a process that prevents us from going back to what we used to be and says, I'm going forward. And no matter what happens in my life, I cannot revert to what I was because I've been through too much to go back. Oh, Lord. Amen. 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 Does, does this make sense? Help me, Holy Ghost. We, we got to go through the process. Uh, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You follow me long enough, I'm going to make you something. You're not it right now, but if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. You don't have the power to be that by yourself, but if you follow me long enough in a process, I'm going to conform you and I'm going to make you. I'm going to do something in you if you allow me to. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you a, a, a fisher of men. Everyone goes through a process. As a matter of fact, I think about whenever that sheep got lost and talk about it in Luke. They, they talk about this sheep. It got lost. The Bible says that the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 in the wilderness to go after the one. He leaves the 90 and 9 in the process to go after the one. Now here's my question. How did the one get lost? How did the one get lost? Well, you got to go to Matthew 18, 12 where it says that he leaves the 99 in the wilderness. Look what he says. And he goes up into the mountains to find the one. Oh, man. The one got lost when it tried to escape process. He said, I'm tired of this wilderness. I see the mountaintop of success. And I'm going to go there even if the shepherd doesn't come with me. I don't know if y'all want me to preach tonight. Amen. I'm a, I'm a, 
It's going to be a lot of word in this sermon, amen. <laughs> amen. He wanted to get the, the quick route to go to the mountain. Didn't like that the body was in a process in a wilderness being perfected by the shepherd. Didn't, didn't like the feeling of the shepherd messing with him. Come on, somebody. Felt like he was destined for the mountain and got lost in his pursuit of the mountain. Come on. I'd rather be in the wilderness if the shepherd is there. If the shepherd is there, I want to be in the wilderness. Amen. Everybody has to go through the process. The process is not an indictment. It's an invitation to greatness. Nothing's wrong with you. It's an invitation to greatness. It's an invitation to become something greater than you are. Ooh, help me. It, it don't feel good, but it's going to feel good later. Because <laughs> in the wilderness, he said in Deuteronomy 8, he said, I sent you into the wilderness to try you, to prove you, to see what was in your heart, if you would obey my commandments or no, and to do you good at your latter end. I brought you into the wilderness to show you you. Because some of y'all are in denial got a fictional perspective of yourself oh lord help me i've got to preach this thing y'all uh, you, you think you're more sanctified than you really are come on somebody the the the, the the process puts up a mirror in front of you where you can't hide, oh Lord, from what you see. And you gotta let, let God confront it. Come on, somebody, so He can heal it. So, you know, you know what God does sometimes, just to, just for people that. You know, just worship all, you know, just just act like, man, you, you look like you're all that in a bag of chips at church. Come on, somebody. You walk in, you walk in strutting. It's, you know what God, you know what God does? I'm going to see, he goes, well, let, let me see if they really live that. So, so sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll have a person start messing with you. Mm. Says, okay, well, you, you're good, huh? Okay, all right. Go ahead, go ahead, mess with them. And here you are on the phone. God bless you. How are you? Oh, yeah, God's good. Oh, I'm blessed. Yeah, just came out of church. What's that? Excuse me. I wasn't always saved now. <laughs> ah! And God's like, that's what you need to work on because 
I use that person to hurt you, to reveal you to you. And you got an attitude that you refuse to deal with that is keeping you from your next level. Come on, somebody. So I will use people to expose you to you. Come on. So I can get you in the correct posture to handle the anointing and the glory that I'm trying to demonstrate. All right, okay. Amen. Does this make sense? Does this make sense or I'm just screaming at you? Y'all let me. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I, had to, I had to go through a little process. Yeah. Well, I just got a flashback. Oh, my. That process almost killed me, y'all. <laughs> if I were to grade myself on how I passed the process, I'd give myself a C minus. I barely got through. Hey, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> uh, come on, you don't go through the process with no A pluses. No, no, no. No, there's some, God's going to prick you. With some stuff. I remember, uh, it's like, like I tell people, you know, the calling is at the top of a mountain. The calling, the destiny, the anointing, purpose is at the top of the mountain. But, but we start, we're, we're at the base of the mountain. And, and we're at the base of the mountain and we got all this baggage at the base of the mountain. And we think that we can't reach there because of all this baggage that we have. So every Sunday we look up and we feel like we're destined for that. But then on Monday we go back and look down at the baggage. And we don't want to take a step forward because we see how much baggage that we carry. So you say, I want to go forward, but I got all this baggage. But if, if you just start being so persuaded of the promise with the baggage, what will happen is as you start walking up the mountain, there comes a place on the mountain where, where you can't take another step unless some of that baggage leaves. And you say, I, I see the promise. I know where I'm supposed to be, so I'm just going to cut a little bit of this baggage and then you start walking some more and then all of a sudden you reach another place in the mountain if I'm going to go forward I'm going to have to cut away some of this baggage you cut some more and you start walking again you're getting closer and then all of a sudden it reaches another place hold on if I'm going to take another step forward I'm going to have to cut some of this baggage what am I saying that the that the calling the, pro, the promise will sanctify you in the the process of your pursuit of it. You're not hearing me. I said if you just start going after it over time, the promise will start taking stuff off of your life. But you got to start walking. You got to start climbing and leave it up to God. Amen. You got to start walking and leave. See, some people say, well, I'm, once I get rid of the baggage, then I will start walking. God's like, you, you, you a lie. Because you ain't got that power. 
said, I'm going to get rid of it my, 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 myself. God's like, you know you don't have the power to do that. He said, you just start walking, and the promise will convince you to start cutting stuff. Amen. I remember, like, I came, I came out of dysfunctional home, you know, abused for the first 11 years of my life physically, abused emotionally, psychologically for the first 18 years of my life, walking around with bruises, busted lips, beaten, uh, had a low view of myself, you know, stepdad telling me, you know, why don't you just kill yourself? You're nothing. I mean, that's just the environment I was raised in. Well, all of a sudden I come to Florida on basketball scholarship and come to, ch come to church and uh, come to church, get the Holy Ghost, you know, and after I get the Holy Ghost, you know, start coming to church, going to about four to five Bible studies a week, just hungry for God, started teaching Bible studies within first eight weeks in church and just hungry for God. And it's amazing what I looked like when I first started coming to church. Y'all not hearing me out here. Y'all, so, some people, so, some people think I was born with a suit on or something like I. I, like I came out the womb speaking in tongues or something. No, no, no. no there, there's a there's a few people that saw me when I walked in. Hallelujah. Uh, okay, here we are. I, I had the Jordan shorts on, uh, the Jordan socks on, the Jordan slippers on, uh, the Jordan headband on, uh, the tank top on, uh, with a Jesus peace medallion not hearing me y'all not hearing me and 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 that that's how I looked and all, God looked at that dysfunctional boy with all his rough history with all his rough past watch this and called him to the ministry oh see see you looking at my post process Ooh, help me, Holy Ghost. You didn't see me before the process. You're not hearing me. You didn't see the dysfunction. You didn't see it before. Come on, somebody. But when I yielded myself to God, come on now, he began to make me into something that I couldn't even understand. I'm going some. I'm going some. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm going somewhere. So, so I walk in like that. And God looks at that boy, calls him to the ministry. Messed up. Messed up in the head. Y'all not hearing me. <laughs> and calls me, and then all of a sudden, I'll never forget. Uh, I was going to church like that, and then all of a sudden, the Altries, it was the Altries. It was the, they said, hey, I think I'm going to give Brother Jackson one of Daniel's old suits. And I had never worn a suit before. So I remember I put that suit on, and I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was at the Hughes house. I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was like, And I had this goatee, you know, I had the all not hearing me out here. I had this goatee and the mustache on, and I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was like, I wonder what would happen if I 
shaved it. <laughs> Never shaved before in my life. So what I did was I picked up a, a new razor under the thing, got it, put it under some hot water, and just started. And then when I was done, I was like, oh, I look like a baby. I text my friend Ricardo. I said, bro, you're going to be at church tonight? He goes, yeah. I said, bro, I'm about to make you laugh. He's, I went, and he saw me. He started dying laughing when he saw me. The next day, I had zits all over my face. I was like, well, how are they shaving? They don't have bumps. But I shave, and I got bumps all over. They're like, did you use shaving cream? I was like, that's what that's for. <laughs> And all of a sudden, someone else gives me another suit. It was a brown three-piece suit. And it was a three-piece suit, Will Grant, three-piece suit made for a bow tie. Now, I didn't know the difference between a bow tie vest and a tie vest. But a bow tie vest, it comes higher. So what I was trying to do was wear a tie under my bow tie vest. But the vest is covering the tie. So I'm walking around like this at church. Nobody told me nothing. I'm still bitter about <laughs> I'm walking around with a three-piece suit on, with a tie that's covered by a vest, with a pink shirt under it. Y'all not hearing me out there. With black Air Force Ones, y'all not hearing me, with white socks on. And nobody told me nothing. I bet they were just like, bless them, Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord. And, and could you believe they took a picture of me at my first youth congress. I had that three-piece suit on with that pink shirt on with the vest covering my tie. And that's the one photo that's been around the whole United Pentecostal Church. It's on the UPCI website. When it goes to About Us, About Us, United Pentecostal Church, there's me with my three-piece suit on. Thank God you can't tell, but I'm, I'm like, that's under the blood right now. That's under the blood. But, but watch this. I got, so I got these black Air Force Ones on with the white socks on. With the three-piece on, not, not wearing nothing, no, no color coding. But look, but look, I, I just start walking. Because he called me to the ministry. All of a sudden, I said, you know what? I don't think these white socks match. <laughs> Let me put some brown socks on. I don't think these black Air Force Ones go with a brown suit, okay? I'm going to wear some brown shoes on. You know what? I don't really need these earrings anymore. Let me just throw those away. Let me just keep, you know what? This Jesus Peace medallion, I really don't need it. Let me, let me just keep walking. You know what? I need to get rid of some friendships that's keeping me from, you're not hearing me. I just started walking and God took care of the rest. What am I saying? Just start walking and let the Holy Ghost begin to perfect you. 
Oh, can somebody clap your hands to the Lord? <laughs> Amen. I, I just started walking. Let God work on me. And he just began to make me. And guess what? I'm still not where I'm supposed to be. Hey, watch this. I got a revelation for you. I'm still in the process. Oh, my Lord. God's still working on me. God's still shedding off stuff out for my life. Come on, somebody. God's still cutting some stuff away. And it's because I allowed him to. Come on now. I'm not perfect, but I'm yielded. Oh, Lord. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm just asking you to yield and let the Holy Ghost take care of the rest. Okay. That's what I want to talk about. I want to get into the text I want to get into the text. Y'all, amen. Jacob, he deceives his brother. He deceives his father. Now Esau wants to kill him. Jacob flees. He's going to go back to Mesopotamia where his family's from. He's going to be with Rebecca's household. Go, go stay with Laban, which is in Mesopotamia. He's going back to Mesopotamia, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know. He, he knows he has to start a whole new life over, feeling like he failed God, feeling like he did something wrong, he didn't do things right. And there comes a point where he... While he's heading to Mesopotamia, the Bible says he took of the stones of that place and he put them for his pillows. And he lay down in that place to sleep. I know that we like to read through that, but God is trying to communicate to us about Jacob's mindset when he lays, takes a stone and lays it for his pillow. Now remember, he's going back to Mesopotamia. Here's what I wanted to show you in the text, that the Mesopotamia was the first place in the world to ever invent the pillow. Y'all not hearing me yet. It was the first place ever to invent the pillow, and they made their pillows out of stone. It wouldn't come hundreds of years later until they would start using feathers and pillows. But the Mesopotamians, they are the ones that invented the pillow. And when they invented it, they used stones for pillows. Oh, Lord, I'm going to preach this thing. And only the wealthy had access to those pillows. Only the wealthy had access to those stones that were used for pillows. So Jacob, he's on his way to Mesopotamia, and he's discouraged, and he thinks his former life is over. He's got to start a new life. So he puts this, he takes a stone, puts it for a pillow in a dark place, and he has a thought to himself, I'm going to be wealthy when I go back to Mesopotamia. I'm just going to start a new life. And while he uses that Mesopotamian stone that he turns into the pillow. He has a dream. And it's a dream of the angels of the Lord ascending and descending on a ladder, or the Hebrew would say a staircase. Now, that is a Mesopotamian dream that Jacob is having. 
because Mesopotamia, they would have these ziggurats, which are staircases, ladders into heaven, that they believed that their gods were at the top, were on that staircase, where they believed uh, that the angels of God ascended and descended on the ziggurat, uh, that the angels of God ascended and descended on the ladder, and that they would give messages to these angels, and they go up, uh, and the angels would get a message from the God on the ladder and bring it back down. Uh, Jacob has a Mesopotamian dream uh, about about these about this ladder and these angels. But the difference with this dream and other dreams is that the Bible says that the Lord stood above the ladder, uh, where God was saying, "I will not be confined by your Mesopotamian thought of me." I will not be confined by your religious outlook of me. I will not be confined by that false religion. I am greater than your religion. I am greater. Come on, somebody. I am greater than your thoughts. I am greater. And I will not be confined by that outlook. And and if I wanted to really preach a message here, I would show you how in the Old Testament, God stands above the ladder. But in John 1, Jesus said, this day you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In the Old Testament, God stands above the ladder. In the New Testament, God comes below the ladder. Oh, Lord. In the Old Testament, God shows that he's bigger than everybody's religion. In the New Testament, God comes under people's religion. Because God said, you're going to have to kill me before you can see me. Okay, all right. Help me, Holy Ghost. God humbled himself in a body puts the body of Jesus under the ladder, allows the Jews' religion to put him on the cross. And that's why Peter said, said the determinate counsel took him by wicked hands. Your religion put Jesus on the cross. And then they said, what shall we do? When they saw their religion killed him, they finally were able to see him. And it's when your outlooks start taking away the presence of God in your life. Okay, all right, let me move on. I'm sorry. So he has this dream of angels. And it's a beautiful place. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I'm going somewhere. So he goes to Laban's house. He dwells in Laban's house for 20 years. And then finally God says, come back. Go back to your father's house. And when he goes back, the Bible says, look at this, in Genesis 32, on his way back, Genesis 32, 1, it says, and Jacob went on his way after 20 years after that vision of angels. Genesis 32 and 1, it says, and Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host, and he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Now we see a maturity in Jacob. Who help me. Because now he's not having a dream of angels. Now he's growing in the process. Now the angels come to meet him. 
And he said, this is God's host. We see a maturity in Jacob beginning to develop in his relationship with God. He has the dream first. Now the angels of God come to meet him. He has an experience with God's host where angels are all around. But the problem is Jacob wasn't changed in this moment. He wasn't changed where, with a host of angels where the angels came and met him. Because he got an angelic experience, watch this, but he's not limping yet. He's got an angelic experience, help me, but he still has the same name. All right, here it is. Let me make it plain. It come to church and it's the host of angels everywhere. Got tears coming down. Incredible experience, but you're not limping yet. And he wouldn't be changed until, instead of the angel meeting him, until he met the angel. Help me. Wasn't changed when the host of angels were there, but then later the Bible says he would wrestle at night with an angel. And that angel would say, turn me loose for the day breaks. He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. He said, what's your name? He said, it's Jacob, which means liar, supplanter, deceiver, usurper. And he said, no more shall your name be called Jacob, but it's going to be Israel because as a prince you prevail with man and with God. You see, change didn't happen when the angels met him. He got an experience when the angels met him. Change happened instead of the angels meeting him. He went after the angel and he met the angel. What am I saying? You got to start having a personal encounter with the supernatural if there's going to be a change that comes. Is this, does this make sense? It's easy to feel goosebumps when angels all around. You, you, come on, you can get a breakthrough off of somebody else's encounter. But change doesn't happen until... You say, I'm tired of just the host of everybody getting blessed all around me. And I'm not waiting on God to initiate. Now I'm initiating. I'm not waiting on a flow. I'm creating a flow. Oh, I just want an angel. And he wrestled with it until something changed in him. And he walked away limping. He walked away limping. Wave a hand if this is helping somebody. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. But here's the whole purpose of me preaching what I preached, what I'm preaching right now. He has a dream of the angels. The angels meet him, and then he meets the angel. Listen, but the process isn't over. Because in the text, the angel said, no more shall your name be called Jacob, but it's going to be Israel. Listen, but God didn't say that. Is there a preaching anointing in this building or what? God didn't say that his name was Israel yet. The angel did. Hmm. Let me go to it. Since y'all looking, y'all waiting for the text. Here it is. 
where I got a Bible, hallelujah. I did come with my sword, amen. Uh, here it is. After he has that encounter with the angel, he meets Esau. He reconciles. Genesis 35 and 1. And God said unto Jacob, arise, go to Bethel. Go back to that place where there was the stone, the pillow, the pillar, and the house. Go there and dwell there. Look, listen. And make an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household, listen, and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. And be clean and change your garments. Look what he says. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods that were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Listen. He built the altar there, verse 8. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. Verse 9, and God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Mesopotamia, and he blessed him. And God said unto him, listen, verse 10, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. Here's what I'm presenting to you. Jacob had a supernatural encounter with an angel. But it wasn't until, listen, he reconciled with his brother. He put away his strange gods. And he was broken. Rebecca's nurse, Deborah, that was the nurse that raised him. And when she died, there was a brokenness in him. When he reconciled with his brother, when he put away strange gods, and when he was broken, God said, now your name is Israel. And what God was waiting for, listen, was his supernatural encounter for his lifestyle to catch up with his supernatural encounter. God said, before I recognize you as Israel, I'm waiting for your life to catch up with what you experienced on Sunday. Whoo, Lord. Listen, because you speak in tongues, but the problem is you still got some strange gods in your hand. Boy, it got quiet in here. Oh, it got quiet in here. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. God says, I won't recognize you as Israel until you put the strange gods down, until there is a brokenness, until there is a reconciliation. And then when I see your lifestyle has caught up with what you've experienced, come on, then I'll bring you to another level. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you. God says, I know you've encountered some angels. I know you've had some breakthroughs. But he said, I, I'm just waiting on there to be some reconciliation. Say, because you have a tendency to hold grudges. Oh, Lord. He said, you can hold grudges for years. 
And he said, and that grudge is preventing you from the supernatural. You got some strange gods. You got some things that you like that God doesn't like. Where you say, where you say well, this is just what I've done all, all these years. How long are you going to hold on to the thing that is preventing you from living a life of freedom, power, anointing, breaking generational curses, breaking generational spirits? Hey, if I were you, I'd just throw the strange gods down and never pick them up again because there is a name change that God is ready to impart into your life. Hey, just because it's all right in Danellan doesn't mean it's all right in the kingdom. Oh, y'all gonna make me preach here. I said, just because it's all right in your family and it's a ritual we all do as a family, you get together and drink, you get together and smoke, you get together and curse, you get together and start saying all types of stuff, all types of filthy conversation. Just because it's all right in your family doesn't mean it's all right in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. you got to learn to throw the strange gods down huh? and say, I'm paving a generation huh? of chosen people that God is going to bless huh? And nothing's going to stop me from the anointing and the blessing that is upon me. What is, what is your strange God? Oh, I just dip a little bit. Well, I'm talking to you, aren't I? I, I, I just dip. What is your strange God? Oh, I got weaknesses with relationships. I get in one relationship, get out of it. Get in one relationship, slip up, get out of it. Get another relationship. What is your strange God that is preventing you from getting a name change that will change the generation that comes? But what is your strange God that is keeping you back? Come on, somebody. You got to learn before you go into the new year to say, I'm throwing the strange God down. I'm getting reconciled with my brother and sister and I'm coming out of this year with an anointing, with the glory, with persistence. Oh, can you clap your hands in this house? Can you clap your hands and lift up your voice? Can you stand to your feet, clap your hands, and lift up your voice if you're ready to go to another level? Amamaha. Shalamahaya. Oh. Hallelujah. 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 Oh. 
Shamahataya. Speaking in tongues, but bitter at your brother. Speaking in tongues, but bitter at your sister. Walk, come on, somebody. Walk on the whole other side of the church so you don't have to see them. Pray in the other side of the church so you don't have to be close to them. And it's keeping you out of the kingdom. It's keeping you out of a blessing. Throw those strange gods down. And when Jacob, when brokenness entered into his life, when he got broken before him, he was ready. Some of y'all, it's pride that's keeping you from a name change. You don't think anything's wrong with you. It's always the other person's fault. Come on, somebody. You're never guilty. You're never the problem. And it's keeping you from a blessing. Come on. It's time for there to be an aura of brokenness if there's going to be a demonstration. I hear the Lord saying there are things that you have gone through that I have been trying to use to break you. He said, but pride has been preventing me from being able to break you. So when you're not willingly being broken, I have to turn up the heat. God said, I will do whatever I have to that the blessing of God may rest on your life. And God says, I'm really even more concerned about your kids. I tell you, and the Holy Ghost there are people here that have been waiting for this church to conform to your belief. You've been waiting on the church to not push the standard anymore. You've been waiting. You've been thinking that we were going to wear down and it'd be acceptable how you're living. God's come to put a line in the sand tonight. 
saying, I've brought a man and woman of God that refuses to back up. Oh, and he said, you don't understand how strong they are because they're so nice. Hey, don't mistake their meekness for weakness. They love you, but they love truth as well. Come on, somebody. We're not backing up. You either get on board or get out of the way. This church will not conform to your lifestyle. Listen, and I don't care if other churches did. Am I speaking loud and clear in this building? It may have been acceptable in other places. It's not acceptable here. Let me minister to you. Just hear me. I, I Believe me, I'd normally let this go. I, I Believe me, I would. But I know you all know how to tap in. I'm speaking a word right into your spirit right now. I tell people, you cannot cast out dysfunction. No matter how many altar calls, no matter how many prayer meetings, no matter how, you can't cast out dysfunction. What is dysfunction? Anything that's not in line with the Bible, that's dysfunction. Mm. And I know you're going to try to act like you weren't raised in a dysfunctional household. You can't cast out dysfunction. Dysfunction must yield to the word, to the spirit, and spiritual authority in order to be changed. Hey, I'm telling you that from experience. With what I was raised in, I'm supposed to be a statistic right now. But I yielded myself to the word of God. I submitted myself to spiritual authority, my pastor and my bishop. I yielded to the spirit. And I'll never forget my bishop. I didn't know that I had this, you know, because when you're dysfunctional, you don't know you're dysfunctional. Right. 
Hey, hey, it wasn't normal for your dad to beat you. I don't care how much stronger you came out of it. If you're raised in a single parent household, that's not normal. See that? Are, are you hearing me? Anything that isn't in the biblical mandate how it's supposed to be, it's dysfunctional. And I remember my bishop, we were talking and he, we were talking and he said, we were laughing together and, and uh, all of a sudden he said something. I said, well, bishop, with all the stuff that I've been through, my bishop looked at me and he said, you know what your problem is? I said, what's that, bishop? He said, you minimize your own faults and you maximize other people's faults. I said, well, he said, say yes, Bishop. I said, well, he said, say yes, Bishop. I said, yes, Bishop. And right there, he showed me, God showed me my whole history, my, all my sisters, all my, my mom, all my family, all my upbringing, all my passion, they all had a victim mentality. And because I was raised in that household, I felt I was always the victim. But when he spoke that word to me, it delivered me from years of dysfunction. It is easier to be offended than to yield. I could have got offended. Why? Because we love our dysfunctional state more than we love this. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. This is why God has brought Pastor and Sister Autry here, listen, to bring a structure. Because when you're raising this function, you always give in to your emotions. Even if those emotions are not in line with the Bible, you give in to them. This is why Bishop Varnum was able to plant a church because he provided a structure in a place where there was a lot of dysfunctional people. And when enough people yielded to the structure, saints were made. The word for you, is to stop kicking against the pricks as Paul did. Stop kicking against the structure. Come on, somebody. And bend yourself to the structure. Come on. So your life can be changed forever.
I want you to join with the person beside you right now. I want you to make a decision tonight to reconcile, to throw away the strange gods, to be broken before him, to yield to his word, to his spirit, to the authority that he's placed over your life. And God said, I'm going to break some generational curses. I'm going to break some generational spirits. You're not going to backslide like your mama did. You're not going to backslide like your daddy did. You're not going to be like they were. Why? Because God is issuing an invitation to change and transformation. Can you lift up your voice? I want everyone to lift up your hands where you are right now. The Lord, the Lord revealed to me that I hit the root. That I hit the spirit of the city. I hit a stronghold. Casting down imaginations. I hit an imagination. And the Lord gave me the key to breaking it. And then it's, in, it's in that word, yield. It's in that word, submit. Yield to the process. Yield to the process. Submit to the process. Yield to authority. Yield to the, to, to the spirit of God. Yield, and you're going to see God. He said, instead of your first reaction being fight, let it be yield. Instead of the first reaction being I'm right, let the first reaction be I'm wrong. I want you to lift up your hands right now and I want you to tell the Lord, I yield right now. I submit to whatever you want to do. I yield, I submit to whatever you want to do, Jesus.
I yield right now, Jesus. I submit to whatever you want to do. Whatever you want me to do, Jesus. I yield right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm. 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 Mm.